Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Sometimes as commercial pilots, we do things we wouldn't normally do. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Check it out for all your private instrument commercial CFI pilot needs, and when you do become a CFI, you can even check out our CFI referral program. A lot of great things happening over at groundschoolacademy.com. Dot com, the number one rated online ground school with a crazy guarantee, pass your check ride or we'll pay for it. Today, I want to take you guys into an accident analysis. You all know me well enough by now to know that I don't like talking about accidents that much. I find myself doing it a lot. I find myself doing a lot because I strongly believe we'd be doing the individuals that were involved in this accident a disservice by not hearing and learning from their stories. But that's just my opinion. And I want you to realize that a, a, people call a commercial pilot certificate a glorified private pilot. You'll hear the, that word used a lot. I know we've talked about that before, but it, it's not the case. Yes, it's the tolerances are, are more stringent than a private pilot. Some of the maneuvers are the same. Some are new from your private pilot certificate days. But truth be told, there is a more than just maneuvers. There is some aeronautical decision-making and some psychological aspects that go into being a commercial pilot, that go into that smart decision-making process. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a 2,000-hour commercial pilot flying a Piper Meridian, which is a very respectable first or even second job as a commercial pilot. This coming from the guy where my first jobs were banner tower, traffic pilot, and wildlife spotter, uh, to name a few. Uh, flying a Meridian would have been a sweet gig, but those gigs never came around for me. I was doing the bottom of the barrel gigs and did them with a smile on my face, absolutely. But this is a gentleman who had a very sweet gig. 2,000 hours, commercial pilot, flying a Meridian for a up-and-coming uh, bank, I believe it was. It was a sweet gig. Let's talk and let's read that NTSB report. The 2,000-hour commercial pilot obtained a weather briefing prior to departure that contained surface observations along the route of flight, as well as SIGMETs and AIRMET information. The briefing also included convective weather advisories, a convective outlook, the area forecast, which don't exist anymore, by the way. We'll talk about that in a second. Pilot reports, radar summary charts, winds aloft information, and the area forecast 
included overcast ceilings at 1,500 feet mean sea level uh, with cloud tops at 6,000 feet mean sea level. Visibility between three and five miles, light rain, mist, and isolated thunderstorms with cumulonimbus tops to 35,000 feet. This is a pilot, I'm stopping right there for a second. This is a pilot who did all his research. That sounds like a beautiful standard weather briefing, if you ask me. Sounds like he called the briefer up on the phone, got a great standard weather briefing, really was doing his homework. There were no SIGMETs in the area. There was an AIRMET though, AIRMET Sierra out for these marginal uh, VFR and IFR conditions that we heard about in the area forecast. And then of course they talked about these isolated thunderstorms and cumulonimbus tops up to 35,000 feet. And this is where I want to stop for a second before we continue reading. We discount so much as, as we gain more experience, we discount the word isolated thunderstorms. Think back a few hundred hours to your private pilot days, or even just literally a hundred hours to your private pilot days. If you were a private pilot and you saw the words isolated thunderstorms anywhere on any piece of aviation weather information, you were probably staying on the ground. Isolated thunderstorms, I don't want to mess around with that. But all of a sudden as a commercial pilot, what happens? Maybe we go up flying a few times when we see isolated thunderstorms and we get lucky. They don't really affect us. Uh, isolated, that, that could be one thunderstorm within 100 miles of here, and they're gonna call it isolated. That's no big deal. Or we get that commercial pilot, geez, I got these two bank executives in the back. They need me to take them to this next meeting so we can close on this next big deal. It's really important if I can help their business grow, they're gonna only buy a bigger airplane when their business grows. And listen, I'm here, I'm here at the start of it. I'm here at the bottom of it. We're, I'm gonna work to the top with them as they upgrade to the Phenom, as they upgrade to this, the CJ, whatever it may be. It sounded like he was a diligent pilot getting all this research. But that word isolated thunderstorms, you can read it and maybe it's not as intimidating as it used to be. I'll tell you the intimidating part is the tops up to 35,000 feet. Let's continue reading this NTSB report. After the pilot departed, he established contact with air traffic control. The airplane was initially observed on radar heading towards the destination airport. An analysis of radar from the day of the accident indicated that isolated thunderstorms existed and that almost four minutes after departing, the airplane encountered an area of developing rain showers and vertical updrafts. Let me stop there again. I'm sorry to keep stopping in the middle of the story here, but I want to make some points. Isolated thunderstorms. Now we learn that he encountered developing rain showers within four minutes after departure. Four minutes in a Piper Meridian on climb out is basically on top of the airport. I know they were developing. They were building the developing stage, right? That's where we're getting those vertical updrafts from, and I understand that, but we've watched thunderstorms develop for. I, I can assure you, he was getting that detailed weather briefing and looking out the window going, 
All right, what this briefer is telling me is good, and what I'm seeing out the window, I'm confirming a little bit of what he's telling me. He said isolated thunderstorms, and well, hopefully this is just a cell that's gonna pass over the airport, and it's isolated, and I'll get out the back side of it, and everything will end up being okay. But that guess was wrong. The airplane began, to, it began a descending right turn, followed by a brief climb, then another descent. Its ground speed slowed from 202 knots to 110 knots. Almost 100 knots difference in the ground speed department before the data ended. At that time, the airplane was at 4,500 feet MSL. A witness said he heard the airplane but was unable to see it due to the cloud layer. Moments later, he saw the airplane exit the cloud layer in a spin before it impacted the ground. Post-accident examination revealed nothing wrong with the aircraft that would have precluded normal operation of the airplane or the engine. A pilot that flew right into a thunderstorm. A developing thunderstorm, possibly an embedded thunderstorm, depending on how you want to define it. Yet this is a pilot, and again, I, I'm not, I am not, um, I've been accused of sometimes being hard on, on pilots in NTSB reports, and, and I know sometimes I, I, I do that, I'm aware of that, and I'm trying not to do that here, but at the same time, I'm trying to make a point to make you a safer pilot. So what went wrong? You know, did this pilot make a bad decision? Well, you can say, geez, Jace, I know the outcome already. I'd say, yeah, he made a bad decision. But let's go back a paragraph to where he just got that great weather brief. Yeah, it said isolated thunderstorms. Yeah, it said they're up to 35,000 feet. If I stopped the story there, or if that story was your story, would you have gone? And you think, geez, I'm flying in a Meridian. I've got the two guys that signed my check in the back of the airplane, we're heading to this business meeting, we gotta close this deal, it's my job to help them grow the business, it's my job to help them get them to these locations, I see some stuff building, maybe we can beat it, maybe we can get around it. And their famous last words. Did he make a bad decision? Sure, and it's easy to say that when you know the outcome, but it's a lot harder to make that decision when you just saw the diligent brief that he actually did and without actually being there and seeing the weather conditions, but trying to visualize it. The thing is, he had all the data that he needed, but maybe he didn't expect the weather conditions to truly be that bad. Too often we see the phrase isolated thunderstorms and we take it for granted and assume, oh, it's isolated. I can navigate around those thunderstorms. But if you're departing IFR, like this gentleman was, four minutes into the flight, you're still being vectored all around Timbuktu. And ATC still kind of has you wrapped around their finger because you can't go anywhere. You can't, you don't, you don't hardly ever, IFR guys, have you gotten direct four minutes into your departure. No, they're going to turn left this heading. Hold, oh no, maintain this altitude. No, I can't have you that higher altitude. There's traffic here. Nope, you're violating this airspace. I need you down here. And you get vectored all around exactly where you don't want to go until about 20 minutes in the flight where you get out of it, get to a decent altitude, and then you can start asking for a direct. Maybe ATC directed him right in the thunderstorm. And he was unable to say just those words, unable. It's so hard sometimes. You know, it, it, it's, it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no to controllers. It's hard to say no to your boss 
who is your source of income sometimes. But as commercial pilots, I share this story with you because you can do all the diligent pre-flight weather briefing and get all the information you could ever ask for. But if you can't interpret and digest that information to make smart go and no-go decisions, if you can't stand up and say, listen, can we just wait another hour? Can you call your appointment and apologize and tell them we're going to be late? That's hard to do as a commercial pilot sometimes. And I know of pilots who've lost their jobs. L- very good friend of mine lost his job because he said, listen, I am not going flying in this weather. And, and it's very, very difficult thing to do sometimes. But as a commercial pilot, we need to learn to have a backbone sometimes and stand up and make smart decisions. Guys, thanks so much for helping make the Commercial Pilot Podcast and the others in this series, the Private Pilot Podcast, Instrument Pilot Podcast, CFI Podcast, as well as Inspire Aviation, the top five aviation podcasts on iTunes. We couldn't do it without you guys, without your reviews, without your great listenership, without you sharing it with your friends. We are so thankful, so blessed uh, to have you guys. Uh, One quick little update, our Flying Again movie, by the time you listen to this, we'll be starting to announce theatrical dates for its release. You heard that correctly. Flying Again will be in a movie theater near you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Flying Again is a feature-length 90-minute documentary uh, we made on the process of getting Rusty Pilots current again. You can see the trailer, see the dates it's coming out, buy the DVD at flyingagainmovie.com to check it out and learn more. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this. Thank you for your reviews, your comments. It really, truly means a lot to us. Enjoy the rest of your day, and most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.